Hello, this is Jennifer Wolf. I'm the Executive Director of the International Association of Industrial Accident Boards and Commissions, also known as the IAIABC. You're listening to the IAIABC's podcast, Accidentally, where we discuss issues and events impacting workers' compensation systems. During Accidentally, I ask thought-provoking questions, raise awareness of emerging issues, and offer insights on workers' compensation. My hope is to make you think about workers' compensation in a different way. You can listen or download our podcast each month at iaiabc.org slash podcast, or even better, subscribe to us on iTunes. Earlier this summer, I gave a presentation on 20 issues for the new decade. As you can appreciate, planning for that event took place months before the coronavirus dramatically upended 2020. But when I went back and revisited my earlier notes, I was surprised that the issues I had initially jotted down hadn't fundamentally changed. In fact, many of them had just become more visible. The last few months have been a period of rapid change, and that change has not come from within the workers' compensation industry. In fact, it was forced upon us. And that's a very good lesson. We as an industry must not ignore the forces of change that are disrupting our lives, our work, and our industry. Workers' comp too often works within a silo, careful to think within our own boundaries and our own community. In order to transform our industry in the coming decade, we must break that mentality. We have complex challenges to confront, and we have to recognize and learn from different sectors We must seek diverse voices and experiences. Solutions are going to come from new leaders, from other industries, or even borrowed from jurisdictions halfway around the world. During this month's podcast, I wanted to share some highlights of my presentation. You can read about all 20 issues and view the presentation slides on iaiabc.org. Globalization. Globalization touches each of us daily. And there is no better example of this than COVID-19. We are in an era where goods and services, and for the most part, people, move freely across borders. And this has real implications for economies and businesses around the world. Where a business decides to locate has a significant impact on the cost for that business. We think about real estate, taxation, and social security contribution requirements, what it costs to hire and train workers, All of these factors create incentives and disincentives for businesses across the world. 
and it is unquestionable that the last 30 years have brought an expansion of international trade and supply chains that transcend national borders. The current geopolitical environment has argued against globalization. In the U.S. today, we are in a trade war with China, and in the United Kingdom, they are still trying to transition out of the European Union. Increased or decreased globalization in the coming decade is going to directly impact the U.S. economy. Speaking of the economy, the economic forecast. The last decade saw the longest recovery period in the United States since the Great Depression. And if we rewind the economic forecast to January 2020, the Congressional Budget Office had projected that 2020 was going to see GDP growth of 2.2% and an unemployment rate of 3.5%. While economic growth had slowed from previous periods, Consumer confidence was at all-time high, and all indications were that the economy was fundamentally strong. But here we are in July, and our economic forecast is uncertain. The June unemployment rate was 11.1%, and there is increasing anxiety about the economic recovery. The early debate when we entered the COVID era was focused on a V or L-shaped recovery. But today, there's considerable uncertainty about the trajectory. The good news is that unemployment in the last few months has recovered better than anticipated. However, the resurgence of the virus and the ending of programs including the supplemental unemployment benefits and rent relief, are presenting impending challenges for individuals. Businesses must navigate continued restrictions and are starting to have challenges accessing credit. Some industries, including retail and hospitality, have already announced bankruptcies, with more likely to come. For workers' compensation, how businesses respond to COVID-19 is going to fundamentally shape the industry. Premiums are linked to payroll, premiums fund the system, and claims costs keep many industry partners, claim administrators, bill review companies, data reporting vendors, in business. Self-insured bankruptcies may also require regulatory attention in the coming months and years. The last recession shaped the industry for a decade. Starting 2020 with a global pandemic foretells significant economic disruption for the coming one. Wealth inequality and financial insecurity. History teaches us that wealth inequality leads to violence, and wealth inequality since the Great Recession has gotten worse in the United States. At the same time, there are still troubling income gaps across demographic groups. African American median household income is 48% less than whites. 
Social and policy choices could and will contribute to change in the coming decade. An example of this is mandatory paid family leave. Mandatory paid family leave programs are often cited as an important policy choice to reduce the income gap between men and women. And this policy choice is connected with the overall design of the social safety net. But it's a fragile balance. It provides needed benefits for one group, but at the same time, it raises the costs for businesses and governments. Any changes or choices we make to the social safety net could and will likely influence workers' comp and whether or not the system has the appetite for reform or change by employers. The social safety net. Workers' compensation was the first social insurance program. It came decades before unemployment, Social Security, Medicare, employment and skills training programs, and food assistance. The social safety net is a modern idea that government can play a role in insulating individuals from economic hard times. Today, there are 41 million unemployed individuals. There's increased need for food assistance. Closer to home, my own school district was seeking donations to continue the school lunch program amid the shutdown and into the coming school year. The pandemic has demonstrated the importance of the social safety net programs here in the United States and around the world. But the design of the social safety net has largely been tied to unemployment with contributions from employers as the main funding source. Unfortunately, Medicare is projected to be insolvent this decade, beginning in 2026, and the Old Age and Survivors Insurance Trust Fund, OASI, is going to be insolvent in 2034. This coupled with coverage gaps from alternative work arrangements, may put added pressure on reform or redesign of the social safety net. And a redesign of these programs will have meaningful impacts on individual and business taxes and contributions. This, in turn, could result in pressure on other social insurance programs. Again, workers' compensation is largely along for the ride but it will be impacted by any changes. Healthcare coverage and delivery. In the United States, more than half of the population obtains healthcare coverage through an employer-sponsored health plan. Therefore, the 41 million unemployed individuals have another consequence, and it is estimated by the Kaiser Family Foundation that more than 27 million people will lose employer-sponsored insurance coverage due to the pandemic. Now, some of these individuals will be eligible for subsidies through the Affordable Care Act, and still others will be eligible for Medicaid coverage by the states. But equally challenging 
is that states are very likely to propose cuts to Medicaid programs because of severe budget deficits starting in fiscal year 2021. Healthcare delivery and reform were a significant issue in the 2018 midterm elections, and they are likely to be on the agenda for either administration in 2021. Although I suspect the proposals will be vastly different. Workers' compensation represents a small fraction of the total healthcare spend in the United States about 1.5%. However, medical care is a significant cost driver in the workers' compensation industry. The key to achieving successful outcomes is going to be understanding and aligning medical treatment to focus on functional recovery and re-engagement in the workplace. This is going to require an understanding and the coordination of healthcare delivery models that emerge in any future reform efforts at the national level. Employment relationships. Since the 1980s, businesses have increasingly taken advantage of alternative work arrangements, arrangements that fall outside of the traditional employer and employee relationship to reduce their labor and overhead costs. These arrangements have, in turn, redefined the protections and benefits many workers receive. COVID-19 has shined a bright light on this issue. As work stopped, independent workers found themselves with no income and no protections. In one of the relief packages, Congress created the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program, which provides benefits for these independent workers. The cost of these benefits because of that program has therefore been shifted to the taxpayer as companies utilizing these workers, think Uber, Lyft, Handy, did not pay contributions like a traditional employer would into the unemployment system. If and how this inequity is corrected is a challenge in the coming decade. There have been numerous proposals, portable benefits, redefined employment classifications, supplemental protection programs that could influence or change how workers' compensation benefits are delivered in these new relationships. New ways of work, new jobs, new workplaces, Where and how individuals work has been constantly evolving. With the rapid changes brought on by COVID-19, the centralized workplace of the 20th century may truly now be a thing of the past. Many businesses, Twitter, Amazon, Nationwide Insurance, IIBC, government and industry members, have talked about extending work-from-home policies through the end of the year. And it begs the question, will we ever go back? Work-from-home raises new challenges for the workers' compensation industry. Intuitively, work-from-home seems to support jobs that are primarily computer-based and therefore at less risk of injury. 
However, there's much less control of the workspace environment from a safety perspective. Witnesses and investigations are going to be more challenging. You can't depose the family dog. In addition, will we see new kinds of occupational injuries and illnesses emerge? There is no question that new ways of work and an increasingly remote workforce will cause the system to adapt. The fragile balance between labor and management. Workers' compensation is a system balanced between the competing interests of employers and employees. In many states within the system, any changes are negotiated through legislative or advisory bodies that represent these interests. As union membership declines and political change occurs, there is a move away from changes in the workers' compensation system being negotiated in this manner. Legislatures are finding ways to dissolve or go around advisory committees or bodies. In addition, courts are playing an increasing role in shaping or even changing the interpretation of the law. How and if the fragile balance remains is important to the very foundations of the system. Workers' compensation is a complicated program, and a change in one area, increased benefits, for example, can have an impact on another stakeholder, increased cost for employers, that may or may not be of value. The fragile balance of workers' compensation is in question in the coming decade. The scope of the system. The system has evolved significantly throughout its 100-year history in the United States. It was originally designed to provide security for traumatic injuries. But as work has changed, so have the injuries that have arisen from work. Over the past several months, the focus has been on COVID compensability, a disease of general life that many have argued the system was not designed to compensate for. No, the system was not designed for a pandemic. But like all things, it has evolved to respond to the needs of the day. COVID presumptions are not the first injuries or illnesses to stretch the concept of compensability. There is a growing list of states that allow for claims for post-traumatic stress disorder and other mental injuries. Again, as work, the workplace, and the workforce changes, so too will the injuries and illnesses connected to work. Innovation and modernization. Government agencies need to remain focused on innovation and modernization. Despite considerable investment of time, money, and staff, many agencies are still heavily reliant on paper-based processes. 
A remote workforce has technological demands that are different than an office-based one. There's a need for laptops, cloud storage, voice IP call centers, just to name a few. The challenge is that modernization is not a one-and-done investment. Innovation and modernization have to be ingrained within the culture of an agency. It is a continuous process. The transformation of workers' compensation in the coming decade is going to require ongoing investment, management, and leadership. There are complex and challenging problems to solve in the coming decade, and they are all connected. But I want to end on this thought. We have changed so much in the past four months. The way we conduct business, the way our children learn, the way we live our lives. It has demonstrated that we are capable of extraordinary change, and it should give us hope that that kind of change, a radical rethinking of the everyday, it is not just possible, it is achievable. We can together transform the workers' compensation industry in the coming decade. I want to thank you for listening to the IAIABC's monthly podcast, Accidentally. I hope that you'll share your feedback, your questions, and your comments. You can download us each month at iaiabc.org slash podcast and subscribe to us on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Cheers, Jen.